Welcome back to another H&K Video Game Experience. Hollywood Cole here with Clearfire. What is up, dude? What's going on, man? Well, I ended up getting a Switch. That's my big news. <laughs> it's awesome, man. I've been just waiting and waiting. And uh, I bought three games with it. Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Mario versus Rabbids, which I've seen that game forever, and I wanted to pl- I wanted to play it so bad. And Dragon Quest Builders, um, mm. because my son likes uh, Minecraft and stuff, so I thought it'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. But I just got to say real quick, Mario Odyssey is outstanding, as I know everybody would think it would be. But it's kind of re- the closest thing I can relate it to is the Mario 64 when it first came out on Nintendo uh-huh. 64. You know how everybody was just kind of like, mm-hmm. dude, this is amazing. It uh, It's kind of like that, man. You get the moons. You go to these worlds, you know, and uh, just like Mario 64, you jump in paintings. You don't jump in paintings on Odyssey, but you kind of take your little ship over or whatever. But you go into this world, and the whole world is just for you to explore, 3D. And you get the moons, and that's kind of the new thing. And there's a ton of moons in there. I mean, there, I don't know how many there are. Every every, I guess they're all different. I mean, they have you like, you got to get 16 or whatever, but then you'll get 17, 18, 19. You're like, wow, what is... You know, how many are there? I don't know. But um, when you get a moon, you can keep going. Like in Mario 64, if you got a star, you know, you had to they'd kick you out and you had to jump in the painting again. But this time you get a moon, you get to uh, just keep going. So they're real. They're a lot of fun to find. My, my kids like watching it too. But man, that Mario, I posted it on Twitter. That Mario versus Rabbids has got me like hooked, man. I'm like so mm-hmm. into that game. It's just like a watered down Final Fantasy tactics, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess like the Fire Emblem strategy games with with a Nintendo twist and um, just easy enough to kind of pick up and play. It's a lot of fun. A lot of the new weapons that require a lot of coins, so you got to do a little bit of grinding, um, which I don't mind. I think that's kind of fun. But it, it's a lot of fun so far, man. I'm like on World Two is all, but World One was so long. It's just uh, I liked it a lot, man. And then Dragon Quest Builders just kind of, you know, I kind of got into it just enough. And it's just that didn't really get its claws into me yet. It's nothing like Minecraft. It's uh, you do build, but it's a lot harder to build. It's like in third person. But anyway, the thing is that it has uh, kind of this, the old Dragon Quest, the Dragon Warrior tones and stuff like that, which I like. The different uh, music and uh, just just the overall feel of it. But anyway, that's what I've been doing, man. Uh, what's what's been going on with you? Uh, well, first I'm battling a stomach bug, but, um, that kind of, that kind of took me down for, you know, last night and today. So other than that, you know, not too much going on. Um, finally got my hands onto our game that we're going to talk about here later on today. Um, haven't too much played on my Switch lately, just been so busy. I hadn't had a chance to really play any games or anything, so... My Switch is sitting in its little carry case that I got for it and just chilling, waiting for me to play it. Yeah. So what so, is your average day, man? So you go to work, you come home. What keeps you busy from... So you're busy from when you get home and then you go to go to sleep, you're busy. Mm-hmm. What are you doing that whole time? Well, I mean, I don't get home from work until about 6.30ish. And then... Basically, from that time on, I'm dealing with Seth, getting him, you know, dealing with my son, getting him in bed, trying to get trying to get him bed, getting ready for all of that, and and seeing that I have to get up at five every morning. I usually end up going to sleep around the same time he does, which is around eight thirty to nine o'clock at night. 
How long so, is your drive? You got like an hour drive? It's a little, yeah, it's a little, just a little over an hour drive. So, oh man, yeah, that sucks, man. So, so that eats eats a lot of my time, and I haven't gotten into the groove of it all yet. So I once I get into once I get into the groove, then everything will change. But right now, it's just trying to get into the groove and get everything settled. And and my son has been a little more difficult lately than normal. So that's been a challenge for me and my wife. So. That's what people don't really understand. You know, when you got kids, you just never, like, when, you know, I go to work, I come home, and my wife's a stay-at-home mom, but, you know, you're still dealing with kids, and uh, just it, it, the hardest part, everything, they're so young, every time they need something, you have to do it for them. You know, imagine that times mm-hmm. three. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, you got to do that. Yes, I got three. But, um, but I, I'll just, man, I get it going, and we made a rule, like, you know, and I guess you get more structure when you're forced to, like when you have, mm-hmm. they say if you have three kids, you might as well have 10 because it's like, it's no yeah. different because you just get in this routine and it's like, dude, at 830, y'all are all in the bed and I finally, I usually get to sit down about nine o'clock finally and try to play a game. And then by that time though, it's like, dude, I'm playing it for like 30 minutes and I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm about to pass out, but I have to cut it off at 839 and I'll go insane. Yeah. But I'm like you, man, I'm, I'm hitting the ground running every time, but dude, I just, the games to me is just a real kind of decompressor, man. I have to sit down and just like, dude, just everybody get out of my hair for a little bit. And let's just, you know, as long as me and my wife are, you know, getting our time as well. But, um, she doesn't have anything to do with games, but she's kind of like the same way. Like, well, just, I'm just, I'm tired of dealing with any of everybody too. I just want to mm-hmm. watch my shows or whatever. So I'm yeah. like, cool. But I'm like that. Too. I'm like that too. But just here recently, it's been, um, time's just been so compressed for me that it just hasn't you know panned out well so once i get everything smoothed out it'll be fine but we've just we're in broken routine right now and so we just need to get our routine back and my son will start start uh k3 in the fall so that'll help bring routine back so he starts that in august which is really only a month away so well cool um let's see what else man I've been playing the Horizon Zero Dawn, which is awesome, too. It's still in my PS4, but I've actually been playing um, Trials Fusion. It's one of the free games that came out last month for the PS4. Oh, okay. So, I downloaded that yet. Yeah, a little dirt bike game, and it was, it's was it been it's actually been pretty fun. Uh, Seth will sit here and watch me play it, so that's, been, that's made it a lot of fun, being able to sit there and play it and have him chill out and calm down some so yeah i understand man i've been um the uh, the horizon zero dawn i had to put god of war on ice but now i got god of war horizon zero dawn um and a, and a three switch games that i'm doing and then in uh july 16th i believe octopath traveler comes out so i'm gonna be like jam-packed with games yeah but i mean i like to play the um horizon zero dawn at night and, um, you know, because just when the kids go to bed and stuff, mm-hmm. so they don't see me shooting arrows in the dude's head when I'm in the bandit cap- <laughs> camps and whatever. But, uh, you know, Mario, Rabbids, and all this. But, you know, we've been playing a lot of Minecraft, and I'm trying to get a platinum on that as well, where you have to get a kill the dragon at the end, the ender dragon. And so we kind of, me and, me and Jacob got on there, and he got a new controller, uh, PlayStation controller and put it on creative mode, got all the diamond armor and all this, and just said, let's just go kill the dragon on this one, this world, where it's not going to count toward our achievements, but we switched it back over to um, survival, went in there and killed the dragon, figured out how to do it, so 
We're building up our arsenal to make the Ender Portal and get all of our gear together and go try to kill that dragon because that's going to be the hardest achievement. But once I can get that one, um, once you know how to do it, it's really not that hard. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff that's been going on in my game world, man. I just got a ton of games and, and no time, just like you were talking about, mm -hmm. to play them. But man, that's okay. We'll, we'll get it done a little by little. Yeah, I'm the same way because I've got uh, a lot of the free PS4 games. You know, I still haven't even touched oh, the yeah. Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I haven't, haven't even touched the Metal Gear Solid Five, the oh, Deuce X. I haven't touched that one yet. You I know, didn't like Deus Ex that much. Bloodborne, I still have it to touch. You know, I've, so that's three right there that I haven't touched that, that were free games. And then, um, let's see, what else do I have? And then, of course, I have Horizon Zero Dawn. I have Monster Hunter World, which I love playing. Um, I've been playing a little Destiny 2 every once in a while just to, you know, see if I'm going to even attempt it, tempt, tempt anymore. I know I keep on saying that I'm not going to play anymore, but it keeps on sucking me back. It's, a, it's my devil you know, it must be a great game. It's my guilty pleasure game. I don't know <laughs> if it's a great game, but it's my guilty pleasure game. Um, you know, I still have uh, Shadows of War to finish up. I, still, yes. I, mean, I've got, I just got. Tons I want to get into of, those too. I got tons of games. I loved uh, Shadow of Mordor. It's one of my favorite games. It was so much fun, and Shadow of War along that line too. So it was a lot of fun. You know, um, I mean, I've got a ton of games to play too. I mean, I still even have. I probably won't ever do it, but I still haven't opened my Secret of Mana that I have for the PS4. Yeah, no I'll probably, I'll probably just play. Um, I'll probably just play it on the little uh, SNES Mini that I have. That's a better version, just, uh, from what I hear. Uh, yeah, I've heard the um, PS4 version is not that great. I just bought it for the collector factor there because because the uh, the disc the disc version was limited release so i was like well that you know that has a chance to have have a chance to get some value with it so well i'm um, hoping that ps4 or sony will eventually like release the uh, secret amount of like half off or something you know and that's mm -hmm. when I'll, that's when i'll buy it digital and that's when i'll play yeah it'll so. probably be one of those free games for ps4 before long yeah i don't even uh count so. those PlayStation free games, man. I mean, I count them, obviously, but I, I forget about them, too. I got, like, Four Honor on there, which I'd love to try. That's what um, I'm saying, but, I mean, for, for Bloodborne, like, like you're saying. Yeah, for but, but games like Bloodborne, those big games that we actually got got for free, those are, you know, the, you gotta count those. Those are big games. Now, when you're talking about, like, Shovel Knight and things like that, you know, that's nothing. I guess if I said it spent five, uh, $50 on them or 60 bucks, I'm not, yeah. like, you know, oh, I'm not too, too big on it, but, man, I got yeah. the whole ton of xbox 360 games and stuff but it's in that weird phase of collecting where it's mm -hmm. real cheap so i don't want to sell it now if i just wait like yeah. five years it'll all of it'll go up you know five years is yeah. a long time to wait but i'm just saying uh i just got too many games you want to sell some of your stuff but you got to find the right time to mm -hmm. sell them all yeah it's just a catch-22 because once it starts getting valuable you don't want to let go of it yeah i'm the same way i mean with my 360 that i have i have a modern warfare 3 edition 360 so i have a you know a, one that will be a collector's edition one day so i'm, yeah. I'm hanging on to it and I, I don't think i'll ever sell it i think i'm gonna uh, i've learned my lesson on getting rid of systems back in the day i mean you know i don't i don't have my i used to have a gamecube and i got rid of it and i, re, I regret that and all of my sega stuff i regret getting rid of it so i wish i still had it so that's that's one of those things i've learned a hard lesson on and i'm probably not going to get rid of it i'm slowly rebuilding my collection i have an actual super nintendo up here and the snes mini so i mean i have both of them and i'm not going to get rid of either one of them and 
hopefully one day I'll add an NES Mini and a regular NES to my to my collection. But right yeah. now, right now I'm just sitting on what I got. So yeah, man, I got a bunch. I mean, the NES is fun because you can just throw in a game and play it like right before dinner or something if you got mm-hmm. a minute to burn. And uh, that's my favorite time to play. I mean, like if we're going to go somewhere, say, like, hey, I'm ready early. You know, I got like two hours to burn or an hour to burn. Mm-hmm. And so you're just going to sit back and play these Super Nintendo or NES games. And, it you know, it takes no time. Yeah. And uh, and do, do it that way. Uh, I guess there's a little nostalgia in there, too, while I'm doing that. But, um, you know, who knows? But, but anyway, so uh, the podcast, uh, we've been kind of giving you guys... Uh, E3 preview, E3 review, the Ready Player One. I think we had a Street Fighter Two in there, which is a good good retro game. And then we had a couple of uh, Smooth Ramblings in there and a news in there. So mm-hmm. we're happy today to get back to some retro love, man. I mean, we're finally going to drop some Super Metroid on you guys. A lot of people's favorite game, which we'll get more in detail here in a minute after the news, but I just want to give you guys a heads up. That's what we're going to be talking about today. If you didn't read the title and you just turn it on, <laughs> then uh, then you'll know, but uh, hopefully we can drop more of these. We're trying to go on a little uh, run here with some of these games again, back to uh, the true form here, what we've always kind of started this podcast on, but um, excited about this one. I'm looking forward to talking about this game. I got a lot to say about it, but... Anyway, man, what's uh, what's going on in the news? Well, in the fantastic world of news, um, I'll start with uh, looking at what we have coming up for the free PS4 games for the month. Let me see if I can get into them. So right now it's look. Fusion and something else. Uh, yeah, right now it's a Fusion uh, Fusion Trials. And it's really funny because my son likes it whenever it starts up because there's a cat riding on a unicorn with a pistol. And it's just hilarious. It's hilarious looking. It's just so funny looking. Oh, yes. A cat riding and on so, a unicorn with a pistol. It says motorcycles right there all day and long. And so, yeah, so he, he gets a good kick out of that. So um, that, that's the one that I'm playing right now that I really just enjoy and just have, have a good laugh. So, um, but uh, yeah, he, he trips out about it. It's that one. I forget which, which the other one is, but I, I downloaded uh, Trials Fusion or... Yeah, and it, it's been a pretty fun game so far. I enjoy playing it. Um, it looks like for PS4 are um, our freebies this month is uh, Heavy Rain. It's a narrative-driven game from the uh, from the uh, developer that brought us Detroit: Become Human. So um, it was a game that was originally launched back in, uh, on PS3 back in 2010. So this will be kind of a neat. Um, neat game to check out um i don't know if i'll download it or not but i I might give it a check out and the other one's called absolver it's a unique and flexible third person adventure fighting game which players can fully customize their fighting style so that kind of sounds interesting to me because i like i like games like that and um from what i can see of it it looks like it would be right up my alley there for that so um, all depends on the customization options if it means skill tree i'll be cool with it if it just means you can make x a kick or a punch (laughs) no it doesn't mean anything yeah exactly so hopefully hopefully the um hopefully it'll be uh where you can actually do some be creative with it and have some fun with it but you know it's you go check it out and see see what you think about it too so um the other thing um, I want to bring up is is uh, 
the whole Microsoft, Nintendo, PS, uh, PlayStation, Sony, and uh, PC. So the reason why I was mentioning all those is, is because right now you can play Fortnite on both your micro, uh, by, both on you know anything Microsoft, which would be Xbox or PC, and on Switch and have cross-platform play. You can play all of those and have that. Sony has locked that out. And the reason why this is becoming a big deal is because more and more games are having this cross-play style gaming. And one of the games that we've mentioned on our uh, Facebook page is uh, Fallout 76. And it seems like that they're pushing forward more with the cross-platform play. Which is a great thing because I know a lot of people that play Xbox and I would like to be able to play with them, but I'm on a PS4. And vice versa. I mean, other people have friends that play that. So I really think that this is one of those um, things in gaming that's actually going to change gaming. It's kind of like the next step in gaming evolution is being able to play. You know, I mean, I know I know it's been done on certain games in on certain platforms at certain times. And I know way back in the day, Sony was trying to get Microsoft to do this, but Microsoft said no. I think this was back in the 360 PS3 days. And when PS3 wasn't doing as hot, they were trying to get Microsoft to say, you know, to do this, and Microsoft said no. Um, I think that we're going to end up having a really big, you know, a big trend in gaming with this cross-platform play style. And Sony's taking a hard stand of not doing it. I mean, look at what happened to Fortnite. If you ever played Fortnite on the PS4, and then you tried to pick up Fortnite and play it on your Switch, you could not log into your account. So anything that you bought, anything you paid for, things like that, because it's one of those games that you pay for equipment in, you would not be able to use it. You would have to start all over on the Switch. Well, if you were on Xbox One or even PC, you could play on the Switch with no problem, and you'd have all your stuff there. So Sony, I think, has taken a really bad stand there, and I really hope that they change their stance there because it's it's something that they're they're gonna it's gonna hurt them in the end if they don't change their stance. And the thing too with Sony, I I get the thing, I get the whole idea of well, this game is on my system, I want you to buy it on my system. And, you know, and not by having it on another system. Well, that's all great and good, but look at all the great exclusives that PS4 has. I mean, they have some killer exclusives. And to me, it's like you're losing out on a whole new area of marketing that you could easily hit. I mean, think about it. I'm playing as a PS4 player with somebody on Fortnite that's on Xbox One, and they've never heard of Horizon Zero Dawn, for instance. You know, and you you always have time that you're going to be talking to people. You know, there's always wait times for everything. And you're going to always chat to people whenever you're playing a game, especially an online game. I don't, I don't care who you are. You always end up chatting to them somehow because half the time you always say how terrible you are or you drop some joke about your mama. I mean, that's just how it always happens. You always have that kind of kind of stuff come up. So it's it's an area where PlayStation or Sony could actually be like, okay, you know, we've got these players that are playing with each other. They're going to be talking about our games. This is great. You know, you would think that they would think that. And it's just that I really feel like they're missing a great opportunity for one, for marketing, and two, for basically making them to look like the best system out there. Because right now they're they're falling in favor because of having this hard stand. They want to stay the top system. 
They need to loosen up on that stand. And, I mean, I really feel like this is going to be the future battle for the next generation of consoles. Who does cross-platform play better? Well, let me play devil's advocate. What's the new game mode that everything is going, everybody's looking at? Black Ops 4 is going to Battlefield, all these. Battle Royale, right? Battle Royale, yep. That's the new hotness for multiplayer games. If you bought an Xbox One and you can play with Xbox One, Switch, and PC, you would still have roughly half of the players that PS4 has. PS4 has sold 80 million consoles, and I'm going to assume the estimate of Fortnite players is going to be the same across the board. Same percentage of Fortnites on PlayStation, Xbox One, Switch, and whatever. So whatever that whatever that number doesn't matter. It's just the ratios that we're that we're looking at. 80 million PS4s and roughly 45 million Xbox One and Switches combined. I know you got PC, but um, and then whatever that little phone game thing is or whatever. But the point is, they have that big pool of players, and if you want to have a whole new experience, a whole new group of people more competition and you still to this day get a PS4. I understand what you're saying and about the uh, about the cross-platform and it does need to. It's not going to hurt Sony to do it, I don't think. But you know, whatever their stance is, is to say, hey, 80 million we got the biggest pool. Why would we want to share that? Because we're, we're sending all of our players now and we're setting up our acquired um, consumers, our acquired customers, and now we're sending them into your pool Xbox One and making your Fortnite look good when you didn't put in the work. So, But anyway, I'm just saying, that's the only thing that I can see that PlayStation is doing that for, but it's going to happen. Cross-platform, cross-play. That's, this, this has been a, a technology that's been available for a long, long time. Everybody's stiff-armed it. Xbox 360, Microsoft, they all did it too. Microsoft is not some hero here. They just say, hey, we're hurting. We need to do something. We're, we're flailing over here. Switch. Let's hook up. Let's get this thing going. So that's what they're doing. If Xbox One was at the top, I would guarantee they probably wouldn't do it either. They were at the top of the 360. That, that, that um, capability, that technology was there. They never implemented it then either. So uh, it's just their strategy today. We'll see how it, uh, how it plays out, though. Interesting time for gamers for sure. I mean, that's and you know that, that's what I was mentioning to you with the whole um, PS3 trying to do it back in the day. Yeah. You know, because they were trying to push it and Xbox, well, you, and, you know, they didn't want to have anything to do with it because they were the top dog. And it's the whole top dog thing. The only problem is now is one when you had the PS3 and the Xbox 360, they weren't as driven for online gaming as the Xbox One and the PS4 is. You know, that's the new drive now is online gaming i mean how many games how many of the games do you play even the single player games that require some type of internet connection you know i remember playing many games on the xbox 360 and never having to have one internet connection so it's one of those things where with the change there it has that drive there my one thing is is i'm worried about you know this it's it's the whole thing with 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 like when xbox went to go release the xbox one and they said that it was going to be an always on system you know always internet connected everything like that you know and we look at it now how many times you know we 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 complained about it and we balked at that as gamers in general and it really hurt xbox one but now when we now if you look at it how many times do you turn on your ps4 or xbox one 
and not connect to the internet. You're pretty much always connected with it anyway. You have it auto connect, auto dial in, things like that. And that's the same, it's the same thought pattern here with this is we're coming into the end of the generation of the PS4 and the Xbox One and we're starting to step up to the next generation. And I feel like if PlayStation takes a hard stand like this right before the next generation is going to hit, because I mean, we're roughly two-ish years out from it. And if we're two-ish years out from it, then I think that's the worst time to be taking a hard stand on anything. You know, especially when, you know, you have a competitor like like, like Xbox that can come in and can beat you, which did in the previous generation. You know, if they come in and they don't take this hard stand, and you do, how is that going to affect your business later? You know, I'm a P, I'm a PlayStation fan. I mean, I'm say, you know, I'm I'm one of those that you know, when Sega died, I went straight to PlayStation because that to me was the next best best thing. And I've always been a fan of PlayStation. The only reason why I owned an Xbox 360 was because every all my buddies were playing on 360, and if I had a PS3, I'd be playing by myself all the time. So. It's one of those things where I think that PlayStation needs to be careful and tread lightly on these hard stand issues. Otherwise, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot for their business down the road. I'm not so much concerned with their business now because their business now is great. Yeah, like you said, 80 million consoles to 45 million, you know, the, you know, for the other two competitors. You know, I think it's a little more than that, but it's probably pretty close to something like that. It's probably more like 50 million because. I know Nintendo Switch in its first year sold 17 million consoles, and it actually sold better than the PS4 did in its first year. So I know Switch has got a lot of lot of consoles out there, but you know, like you said, you know, when you look at your comparisons, when you got your two other system, other competitors having less than what you do, that's great. But how are you gonna are are you gonna be able to carry that over when you go to the next generation? Well, Xbox you know, 360 did. 360 didn't carry over that generate when when they, when they we, went from, we just talked about they didn't want to they didn't want to cross platform yeah they want to cross and so, platform and so now they just go to the next generation and now they're doing it now well, well, well so but what I'm saying PlayStation is, is look, five could do the same thing but but look at what but look at what happened to them the reason why they're saying that is just like you said is for a business ploy it's to, it's because they're failing they're losing they're losing the battle when they went from a 360 where they were the king. And went to Xbox One, and yeah, but not. it wasn't because of the cross, lack of. Cross it wasn't because it wasn't, but it wasn't. Just, it wasn't because of that, because there was no cross platform with anybody at the time. You know, everybody was just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, stay in your own pool, stay in your own swim lane, just stay away. With the exception of Xbox, you know, with the exception of P, uh, PlayStation at the time, saying, "Hey, let's do this. We got the technology. Why don't we do it?" You know, it's it's a benefit for all of us if we do it. But once again, it's the loser of that generation saying that. Now you have the loser of this generation, Microsoft, pushing, you know, pushing and wanting to have that and having that press of, hey, we can do this. Sony's not wanting to. Well, Sony's the big dogs, just like you said. The thing is, is, is this issue, because I feel like this cross-platform issue is going to be bigger than what it was back in the 360 era and the PS3 era. It's going to be so much bigger than that now than what it was then. And is this issue going to be that issue that creates the flipping of the switch for who's the leader for who the king is for next generation because for for play for for xbox it was that always on that we told you that you always have to connect to have to connect to the internet that you always have to have a um 
the 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 camera attached to it that it wasn't going to work with that you know they took that hard stand right off the bat and it tanked their thing before it even came out you know it tanked it before they even released images you know and they tanked their you know basically tanked this this whole generation for them off that one thing it just totally wiped them out because of that is this is this one stand is this what's going to undo PlayStation's rule because everybody's talking about if Xbox comes out with this awesome system with these great specs, can run 4K games at 60 frames a second, and PlayStation still sitting on their laurels about other things, it can kill them. And, that, and that's my concern is, is as a PlayStation gamer, how is this going to affect our just, ecosystem? We've kind of gone around in circles here. But let's just, or just not go around in circles, but just kind of beat this down a little bit. Here's my, but just think about this for us. Just get it down to bottom level here. Do you care? I, I, here's my thing. I don't think anybody's going to care. I'll be honest with you. I think it's not going to do anything. Nobody cares. Because when you're playing on PlayStation 4, do you care if the pool of gamers is 2 million or 3 million? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's the, who cares if it's an extra million on there? You know, if I'm playing on Xbox One, it doesn't make no difference to me if the other guy's on a Switch or not. I mean, if the pool is 2 million or 4 million, I mean, you're not going to run into everybody. What do you got? How many people are in one match of Battle Royale and Fortnite? 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50, 60? I mean, you got a long way to... I don't know what it is. I've never played it's 100. Fortnite. Okay. It's 100. you got 100 people. In, so in Battle got, Royales, there's about 100 people usually. Yeah, so man, matches. you got to dip into that pool another, you know, <laughs> 200,000 times. But like, if... if um, Just think of the uh, SOCOM days. Man, he had a pool of... Had, who, who knows? Uh, tens of thousands? I liked yeah. having the same people over and over. I liked having the same group of guys that playing with. We didn't have friends list and all this. They just joined. You know, they started. I think the SOCOMs eventually had like a friends list, but um, you know, they just started joining. And um, and maybe that maybe they started. I can't even remember. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you still had the same group of people that you played with all the time. Even if they weren't on your friends list, they'd be in the group with you every so often. But you know, whatever. I, I don't. I really don't think it's going to matter. I think this is Xbox One's like last hoorah before they get the new thing out, and so they're saying, "Hey, look at us. We're the we're the champs of gaming since we just we released this big system that, like we like you mentioned on the preview or the uh, review E three review of, hey, this does everything. This is your entertainment's uh, mecca. Nobody cares. We want to play video games, and you kind of hit that nail on the head there, saying, you know." We don't care. We just want to play games. PlayStation 4 said, hey, we're a gaming system. So now Xbox One saying, oh, no, we're the gaming system for gamers because we can connect to everybody. And PlayStation 4 is the big bad uh, bad guy out there trying to just trying to stifle all your fun. And like it's like, dude, nobody cares, man. I mean, the next ones that come out, if they're going to be cross-platform, that's great. If not, it's just going to be the best seller. It's going to flip-flop maybe. Who has the best system at launch? If Xbox One hits it hard with the great specs, great lineup coming out, they're going to have to do something different. I don't think Halo and Crackdown is going to do it, but you know we'll see. But anyway, that's that's kind of my my two cents on that. I think that's kind of you know irrelevant personally. But let's talk about another game that you got going on, man. Anthem. Anthem. Oh yeah. yes. So the Game Informer that I was reading about. So I have to make this quote because you know beautiful Game Informer, beautiful, <laughs> yes. beautiful covers. I love, I love the Inform- covers. Yep, it's an Anthem cover. 
Bioware takes to the skies. I actually had four covers for that one. Oh well, they, they have four different this. covers because they have you get four different. Are you, a, are you a elite I, I pro member at GameStop? I am not. I am working on getting my points up to be an elite pro. I'm just a regular <laughs> member, and once my points can pay for my subscription, I'll buy my subscription that way. I'm being a cheapskate. Okay, but. But I do keep up with what comes out on them, and they released four different covers, one for each different suit of um, armor. I forget what they call them. They're, uh, God, what is the name of those suits? Javelin. Javelins. Uh, so they got the four different javelins. You've got the basically the tank one, the, see, there's, you'll have to name them. I can't even remember the names. I, I don't know the I'm, names of them either, man. All one I read is, is Warren Colossus Storm. Colossus Colossus Storm Interceptor and I think Hunter is the other one. Interceptor, yep. I think there is a Hunter or Ranger or something. Mm -hmm. Colossus Ranger. Ranger. So you got a Ranger. I don't see the other one. The Storm is Storm. Okay. That's the Warlock type. Yeah, so basically it looks like a Void Warlock because he's purple and all that and I, I kind of actually like that because it's kind of funny because it's kind of a twist between the uh, warlock from Destiny and the hunter because it actually kind of has a little cloak to the guy. And hunters always had the cloaks and warlocks just had these like duster type jackets. So I kind of kind of got a little excited about that. But they <laughs> say that you, you get to earn all four um, javelins throughout gameplay. You know, so you start with the... Ranger, and then you go as you play the game. You earn the other other three. So, I, so here's it looks, looks exciting. It I'm, does. I'm excited about it, and I like that. It's I'm, there's a part. I'm kind of torn between the no multiplayer and then then I, I don't want it to be like a Destiny where it's like half of its PvP. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you offered it, great. If not, dude, I'm perfectly cool with that. I'm kind of like happy about it, kind of like you're saying. I'm really excited about the no multiplayer or no PvP. I should say you got multiplayer because yeah, you got PVE, yeah, but no bad. PvP. I kind of like that because what I really think that has hurt Destiny is the fact that they have to focus on two different avenues, and so far they've proven that trying to make a really good PvP system and a really good PvE system all within the one game is a hard thing to keep up. Now we'll see when Forsaken comes out for Destiny 2 to see how that works because they actually have a twist of where they've combined PvP and PvE in one of their new um, uh, game modes. But I, I really think that Anthem is really fixing to, really fixing to put a hurting on Destiny, especially with uh, just all the stuff that it looks like. I mean, it looks really exciting. It just looks. It There's looks an opportunity awesome. for a Destiny joke. I passed it up. Pass it up, man. Pass it up. Leave leave, leave that poor thing alone. I know. I take okay. So here's what I saw from Joe Warner, the director, gaming director of the game. It says, uh, Bioware already has firm stance on its approach to microtransactions. We have, a comp- we have a couple pillars that we stick to, and generosity to our players is number one on that list, says game director jo- John Warner. Sorry, I said Joe. Making sure you feel you got a great value for what you bought and that you get everything you think you should get for the money. And then, as we continue to service this game and create more stuff for it, allow you the opportunity to buy cosmetic items and vanity items that you're interested in, but no loot crates, no pay-to-win, strictly cosmetic. And then, so Game Informer says, forever? And Warner says, forever. So, (laughs) forever, Anthem is not going to have any microtransactions in it other than cosmetic 
per this article here and let's see if they do like destiny and just straight up lie oh we didn't mean that though um yeah but we'll see but man i mean i'm just kind of reading about i actually read the whole i don't know if i remember if i read this whole thing or not but i just read that part of it for sure read a lot of it and uh super pumped about that man and I was going to get into these other games, but we're like running a little bit late, running behind on time here. So we'll just. We are. And I'm sorry for taking up so much time on the no, other that's issue, cool, man. but I, I'm passionate about that cross. Oh, I know. I can tell, thing. man. Um, I can tell. You're, you're fighting for the gamer, man. Oh, you're, that's you're for what the I gamers. For. <laughs> the gamers have got to have a voice somewhere. And hopefully, hopefully, some. Uh, higher ups and some game companies listen to this podcast because you know that's what we're here for is the gamers yeah and so i was going to um talk a little bit about some of these games but i just want to mention this too for whatever reason dragon quest 11 is coming for to ps4 so it was a ds game 3ds and now it's coming to ps4 i don't know why ps4 and pc um Hmm. but it's going to be cool i'm excited about that man i mean it's september 4th is the release and I just kind of saw that, and I don't know why it's doing that. Uh, I'm I'm excited for Mega Man 11 coming out. You know, I'm not a big yeah. Mega Man player, but I'm excited about it. It looks like a fun game. I do have the Mega Man Legacy One and Two collection on uh, Switch, and I've enjoyed playing those here and there. You know, it's good nostalgia, and I totally realize how how hard some of those games actually were back in the day. Um, just getting back into them, it's like, oh my gosh, this is just. Man, those games were so much harder back in the day versus now. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so we so we'll go ahead and jump into Metroid, man. Uh, that's just straight up transition because we hadn't talked to each other in a little bit of a while. and knew we were going to kind of get to get to going. Yeah. But uh, so cool. So Super Metroid. So where do we even begin? So people will say that this is the best game ever. They will. They will literally say this is a perfect game. And I'll just go ahead and throw my cards on the table all at once. I, I am inclined to agree with it. I can't not find anything wrong with this game. Maybe a couple things that I'm going to... I mean, I know one thing off the top of my head that I can think of. So, but I see Clear wasn't a big fan of it, I guess. So, uh, but I'm going to hand it over to you in a second. But let me just kind of say my very first... Imp- so, I started playing this game, giving it a full chance as an adult. As I've said on the podcast before... I think it was probably five years ago when I first played it seriously, uh, and I didn't turn it off for three days. Um, well, I mean, obviously I turned it off, but every time I, if I was playing games in those three days, I was playing Super Metroid. But when I first got it, I rented it from Video Visions, and uh, <laughs> I don't remember where it was from, but it's either Video Visions or Rogers or Pops. And uh, I rented it and turned it on. I was like, oh my gosh, this game is it's just, I don't even know what to do, where to go. You know any of that kind of stuff, and it's the same way that I played. I got Metroid. I got Metroid somehow. I guess I got it for Christmas, the first Metroid, uh, as I was younger, and I had the same experience running around, dying, didn't know what to do, turn it off, didn't turn it back on until I kind of understood the game. Never finished it as a kid, but anyway, so that was my first impression of Super Metroid. I played it for a weekend and just turned it off. Didn't even think much of it. Never played it again until fifteen years later or something. So that that kind of uh, is my suspicions on how you felt about it. What did you think about it? So, um, did you play it as a kid first of all? At all? Did you? I think I did. I just don't remember it. I mean, when I was playing it some today, I was like, okay, I kind of remember this and everything like that. So my memory on playing it as a kid is vague 
at best. Um, but playing it today, sit down, turn it on, start playing it. And the first, you know, the first thing before you get to the first world or before you get get to the world or whatever and start actually getting into the game, it's like, okay, this isn't too bad. You know, I like this. You know, it, it, it was not nice to have that retro reminiscent phase of it. You know, having the old 16-bit graphics, you know, side-scroller, all that good stuff. And I was liking it. And then I start, you know, getting to the first, you know, basically get to the, start getting to the first stuff. And like you said, there's no directions on anything. I guess I've been spoiled with playing games, modern day games. And I'm so used to having, you know, your way markers. Hey, this is what you got to do. Here's your next quest, your next step, your next whatever. And I kind of got frustrated at it because it's like, why aren't you giving me some indication of what I got to do? And so I spent just tons of time just hopping around, not knowing where to go, not doing any, not knowing anything, you know, finally found, you know, get, get, getting on down in there. I was trying to do it without a walkthrough. And of course I ended up grabbing a walkthrough cause I got frustrated. And so I get down into the area where you find your morph ball and I'm like, I get my morph ball and then it's like, well, how do I make it work? You know, it's, it's a pretty easy concept and it's easy controls. There's not many buttons on there, but it's like, why couldn't you have just easily said in a thing when it said morph ball, double tap down to morph, you know, <laughs> why couldn't it have just that one little guy there? Just, to, just that, that's, that's my thing. It's like, and every time you got something new, it never told you how to use it, it or how to access it. It didn't give you that quick little, here's this, you know, here's what you did. You know, it just said morphing ball or super <laughs> missiles <laughs> or spazzer or that's it. That's all you got. And it's like, well, that's kind of crap, you know, and it just it was frustrating <laughs> because it's like, it's like, why don't you give me just some little bit of just hint on that? And it was just frustrating from that. And I know probably as a kid playing this game, I probably was like, oh, I can figure this out. You know, now I'm the type of person when I play a game, I'm like, OK, I want to get down to the nitty gritty. I want to play the game. I want to have fun doing it. But give me a direction. Tell me which way to go. Tell me whatever. And when you jump off the ship, you've got two different directions to go at the beginning. And it's like, which direction do you go? Do you go to the left or do the right? Well, of course, I go to the right because I'm like, oh, well, every everybody's right-handed, so go to the right. And I go to the right, and it's a brick wall. You can't get past <laughs> yeah, it. I'm like, what in the world? It's left. And so I, have to go to the, so I have to go to the left. And I go down the tunnels and everything. And that's another thing, too, is you've got these tunnels and um, these different colored doors that are blocked off and you different ways to access through the doors. But there's nothing that tells you that. You just have to figure it out. <laughs> And me, when I got the rockets, I'm like, man, I don't need to shoot these. I need to save these for something special because there's going to be a big boss here at the end. I'm going to need to shoot the boss with this. I don't need to waste my rockets. And then what's the one of the main things you use the rockets for? To open a door. It takes five <laughs> rockets to open a door. And That's I'm like, funny. What's the why main is thing that, you use the rockets for? Is to why, open a why, door. why? Why do you waste a rocket to open a door? You know, to me, that's like, you could have done something different there, you know? And that's just frustrating because it's like, the rocket is like one of the best, you know, to me it was like, it's one of the best weapons, one of the best weapons that you use to do the do damage on the boss. One of the bosses, the Ivy boss, you have to use a rocket to to, to damage it at all. What boss? You know, uh, the Ivy boss, the one that's the, oh, yeah, the like the Venus flytrap. Yeah, the Venus flytrap. Yeah. When he opens up, you have to hit him with a rocket, you know, to damage him. You know, it takes, I think, what I counted, 10 or 10 or 11 rockets to kill them. And so, you know, you got to have rockets. But 
you're telling me I have to shoot five rockets to open a door. <laughs> it's just the, the little things like that are frustrating because it's like, why? And then you get your super missiles. Yeah, those are awesome. And you also use super missiles to open doors. Yep. And they're more more, more so used to open doors you than anything mega else. mega bombs, too. You probably didn't get uh, the mega bombs. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I was. I was getting close to getting the mega bombs. I just got frustrated, and it's just like, okay, so basically, you're telling me I'm getting all of these awesome weapons to open doors, and that's just to me. That's just uh, to me. I feel like that's a poor design because it's like, you know, I could use something else to open the door, or it could be a timing thing, or it could be I need to shoot it in a certain location. Or something like that. It's just a freaking door, people. Let me open it, you know. Let me find a key to open the door, you know. Something like that. Don't make me waste my ammo on a door, you know. And that that's that, that to me is frustrating because it's like I work hard to get this special ammo. And now I'm having to use it to open a door. You I can't charge just it every go time you kill an enemy pretty much. You can, and that's and that's something I was gonna say. You can't, you, you know, you you you. It, it looks like you get the ammo back fairly quickly, but my thing is, is like, why have ammo to open a door? It's like that to me is just kind of one of those things. Like you could have had keys, you could have had something neat, you could have had some kind of <laughs> other little thing in it, but you're making me waste keys. it because of. Well, I mean, the first time you get your 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 regular missile. I'm sorry, it's not a rocket; it's a missile. The first time you get your regular missile, it's technically you get five a rocket. I thought it was missile. It, it says uh, missile, but a missile is a homing projectile rocket. It's just projected. Just all right, Mr. Smarty some, Pants. Yeah, just throwing some Wikipedia at you. All right, Mr. Smarty Pants. And yeah, use Wikipedia. That, that's a some really good military terminology. <laughs> really good so, option there to use Wikipedia. I'm not to pick on you about that. But my thing <laughs> is, is I get the I get the the missiles. And, you know, they give you five of them, and you turn around, and the first thing you have to do is open a door with them. And I'm like, man, I'm fixing you know, when you figure this out, because they don't tell you you have to do this, you have to figure this out. When you finally figure it out, you're wasting five rockets. And to me, that's a waste. I'd rather just have them and keep on going. Now, granted, you know, as you go through the game, you find rocket containers where you can hold more rockets, missiles, whatever you want to call them. You know, you find more containers, you can hold them. I think I got up to where I was holding 25 of them, you know, when I started to, you know, started to put put it down this afternoon. It's just one of those things where it's just just frustrating that we had to waste, we had to waste ammo to do that, so. Yeah, I guess, like, it's just kind of funny you mentioned that because why does it take five missiles to blow the door instead of just one? Yeah, because when you go to the super missiles, it only takes one of those. That's a huge nitpick. That's a huge nitpick of the game, but that takes should take one missile instead of five. <laughs> it's just fun, but here's why: because you see, your experience was kind of the same of mine on Metroid. So I'm gonna give it a little bit of background, just in case you never played it. So '94 it came out um, in April 18th, 1994, and it was not. It, it didn't sell good in Japan. I guess they had the same kind of you know notion about it as you did, uh, but. Regular Metroid came out, and that was the same thing. Like, what? How do I go anywhere? What do I do? Nobody knew. And if you played regular Metroid, you know how to do the morph ball. You know how to shoot the uh, doors with the missiles, and it does take five. And you know, I don't remember what color they were. I think they were red as well on a regular on regular Metroid for the NES. And there was nothing to tell you on, and there was no map or anything on the regular Metroid. But this Super Metroid had the map, and so then we start getting into this. Um, I believe it was ninety. 
seven that Castlevania Symphony of the Night was released. But now we start getting into this genre called Metroidvania. So essentially all it is, is an open-ish world to where you can kind of go and you, you, they block you off from access to certain areas until you find an item. So that's how they keep you from accessing an, uh, an area that you're going to need super missiles by blocking the door off of super missiles. It's kind of a routine or elementary way to do it. I mean, just to, for, for, just for lack of a better way to say it, because it's one of the first games that started doing this. And so I, I think it works, but you know, you shoot the super missile and okay, now if they can open the door, now I know he's got super missiles and now I know he can access these other areas in the game. So it takes a lot of design creativity to set up a world that way, whether it's Symphony of the Night or Metroid or Super Metroid or uh, whatever game. Um, but they're, they're a lot of fun to me and it's just a genre. It's a 2D side-scrolling. Uh, I like the 2D ones, uh, the best ones that the Vania, Metroidvania type exploration games like that. But once you kind of get the hang of it and kind of what you what you're looking for, <clears throat> I think it I think it works perfectly. But you're right, it does. It, you know, I didn't think of it that way with the morph ball. Didn't tell you what what does this do? You know what exactly is this? Mm -hmm. I mean, but you know, got to remember they have instruction manuals. So when you open the instruction manual up in the Super Nintendo game, it would probably tell you. We don't have that. I don't know if the SNES Mini can you push a button for the instruction manual. I don't know if you can push a button for the instruction manual while you're playing the game, but I think they do have the manuals in the system. Yeah, uh, I know that. I know they saw. I know whenever you're looking at the main menu, I think I saw up there where it said manuals, manuals or whatever. I think so yeah. So you could so you could look at those, but you know, I, I guess because I've gotten so used to games not coming with manuals anymore that I just was like, all right, let's jump in this and start going, and not thinking about looking at the manual because. Back when we played games back in the day, the first thing we did was, you know, buy the game on the ride home. You're reading the manual to get everything, you know, caught up on everything, and then plug yeah. the game, you know, plug the game in. You're ready to go because you've read the manual. But so, so think about that for a minute. This is not to get too sidetracked, but they they took the manuals out to save money, and they implemented development time into the game to teach tutorials. I mean, it's, it's so what what's actually cheaper? I don't know. I like the manuals. We, this is not what this is about. This podcast is about, but you know, I really like the manuals. I know you do too. It's just I love that's manuals. Part of the it's like a collector's. You got to have a collector's edition to get a book or something. Now you know these should just come with it. But, I remember my first time I opened up a game and there was no manual in it. I, I took it I back. Yeah, I forgot something. Well, I, I opened it up and I'm like, "Where's the manual?" And I forgot who I was with. And I looked at him. I was like, "There's no manual in this." What's wrong with this game? There's something wrong with this game. And then when I want to plug the game in. It's got a tutorial, and so basically your manual's built into your game now. But I mean, to me, I feel like you know, cost-wise, I feel like that would cost a lot more because that's development cost. There, you gotta you gotta put so much more time and energy into developing a tutorial than sitting here writing a book. A does this, B does that, X does this, Y does that. You know. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's so much easier to do that. You know, you want a you know, morphing ball, double tap down. There you go. I mean, that's so much easier to say in a manual than it is to do a tutorial of what you're playing with it, which, you know, I'm just, I know this game is, you know, a retro game, so I should expect that. But I guess it's just, it shows you how much gaming has changed from when we grew up playing games to now and how much it's even changed us as gamers because we look for those tutorials. We expect those tutorials in game because we don't have the manuals anymore. And 
Now, I, now you know, I go to turn on Super Metroid, which, in all honesty, I do like the game. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, yes, I've had lots of complaints about it, but I do like the game. It's been fun. I did enjoy playing it. Got a little frustrated on a couple bosses, but you know, that's that's part of gaming. You're gonna get frustrated because you're gonna because it's a challenge. If you're not getting frustrated, then you're not playing a good game because you're not being challenged. So it was just one of those things where, you know, just. I don't know, just frustrated over the fact that, you know, I didn't think about it at the time and look for the manual, whether it was on the SNES Mini or whether it was, you know, online and just jumped into the game. And that's that's probably where it bit me a little bit. But, you know, that's my experience so far with the game. You know, it's the controls are for me a little clunky, but I guess that's more because, well, they're a little clunky for the for the fact of. I'm not used to playing a flat controller anymore. I'm used to playing a controller that has the hand grips in it, that I've got my fingers around the tops and everything. It just, it feels different. Like and scuff, I guess, or what is it? You scuff? Know, yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing, I've got a scuff controller and I play with a scuff controller. So I'm used to having that bigger bodied controller, just one that has more feel and grip to it. And then when I go to this, it just, it just feels weird. It feels different. And I'm not gonna lie. I mean, this is the first game that I played on my SNES Mini, so that probably it's probably why this is one's gonna be skewed is because I haven't gotten used to that controller and going from a PS4 scuff to a SNES Mini controller, the classic Super Nintendo controller. That's it's that's a huge change. You know, you're looking at many different button changes and all that, and so just. It, to me, it felt clunkier just because I'm not used to the controller. And I'm, I'm not going to say that the controls are bad because they actually probably are pretty good controls because they're, they're basic controls and very direct on how it controls and moves Samus. I mean, it's I mean, it's got good movement and everything. It's just as far as from me going from you know modern gaming to retro gaming, just like that, that sharp. It's it's weird, you know. I mean, even playing on, you know, I've got the Nintendo Switch, and I usually play it in portable mode more often than not. I've got a case on it that gives it that body to the controller, you know, makes it feel like that fully bodied controller, and I don't, feel, it doesn't feel clunky. If it was the regular old flat, you know, just the flat Joy Cons, I probably would have the same complaints. But even the Joy, even they, they come with that um that that controller mod piece. That makes it feel more like a joystick that we're used to versus, you know, the old school flat game pads that we look grew at up that, playing. Look at that finger. Look at that middle finger right there. What's wrong with it? You it's all it? jacked up. It is. It's crooked, isn't it? Uh-huh. But, but check this out. And you're holding a controller. It's flat right mm-hmm. there. When I turn it sideways, it's flat. My hands are developed perfectly for controller like Super Nintendo. <laughs> it's like so weird. <laughs> if you look at it like this, it's flat. And I bend my fingers like that. Anyway, you guys can't see it, but it's just funny. It's just, it's like, yeah. my, I got like some arthritis or something in my hands. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm not. But my fingers are pretty, pretty straight. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, like, um, dude, this game to me, uh, I've said it before again, it's a testament to a retro game. Because if you tell somebody that doesn't play retro games, say, man, Super Metro is an awesome game. They go, dude, that's all nostalgia. They all say that. Yeah. Um, and that's a natural reaction thing. But I mean, it's not nostalgia for me, other than I guess a 16 bit. But you go back and turn it on. The controls are phenomenal, man. I mean, there's a, there's, that's the one complaint that I am going to complain a little bit about. And, but I mean, 
it's just just so I can have something negative to say about it because I mean, is it perfect game? I I, I don't see. I would not change anything about it. First of all, so let me just say that. But I went back and played it as an adult, and I didn't turn it off, like I said. And I went back and played it again on the Super Nintendo Mini, and I'm too Ridley now, but uh, I've turned it off and kind of jumped to Mario RPG. And like I said, we've got a ton of games here with the Switch and all that, so I'm kind of going back and forth. But I love the game. Great addition to the Super NES Mini. Um, I love the Metroidvania style uh, that, it, that it brings. The colors, the, the just the title screen by itself. Let me just... I got it pulled oh, up. Oh yeah, here. the it's title like, screen's fantastic. I mean, it, well, it it's, starts it's to a, beep like a heart. Beep, beep, and the music and the atmosphere that it pulls you into. And if you just pay attention to it, right before the title screen comes up, it's like going beep, beep, and then you hear the beep, beep, beep. It gets faster. I just started noticing this. It gets faster, and then it's like, and then it shows the dead bodies on the ground, and it's like, okay, this is going to be the type of game I'm getting into here. It's it's got an awesome story to it. I loved the whole beginning of when it was telling you the story. You know, it was great. It it was really it it told a really good story, and it had that whole you know Super Nintendo feel to it. It was just it was great. I love seeing Samus up close like that. You know, telling the story and giving that whole whole feel of it. The music was it just fits so well with it. You know, don't get me wrong. I think it's a really good game. Greatest of all time? I'm not ready to say that. But did I enjoy it so far what I've played of it? Yes, I did enjoy it. Was it frustrating? Oh, yes, it was very frustrating. But now that I'm getting more into the swing of it, you know, it's it's being more it's, it's more enjoyable than what it was to first start off with. So, so it takes place on the planet of Zebes. I can't even pronounce it. I'm going to butcher all these names, so just so you know. And your Samus Aaron, of course, the the female protagonist that revealed female in the very first game, and everybody, oh my gosh, it's a female. Nobody, I mean, that's cool, but I mean, whatever. I don't care if it's a female or a male. It's just it's Samus. It's awesome. Um, and so uh, I guess that was the revolutionary at the time. Um, that was a big deal because at the end of it, if you performed in the same way on this one, if you do good. You beat it in a certain amount of time, but she takes the suit off and she's standing there in like a bikini. And that was like the big reveal. And it's the same way on this one too. Um, so you're so Ridley is the hit leader of the Space Pirates. Samus Aaron finds a Metroid that she takes. This one takes place right after the Game Boy version, and I got a, something to say about the Game Boy version too here in a minute. But uh, so there's a Metroid that Samus takes. The Metroid's a little 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 uh, jellyfish looking thing. Takes to do research and some uh, some other some other planet in space, some other space center. Really breaks in, takes it, runs off. Samus has had this ba- this baby Metroid its whole life, so it thinks it's its mother and so on. So that's kind of where we lead into here. She's chasing that, Met- she's hunting that Metroid down on the planet um, SR three eighty eight. So uh, anyway, the Super Metroid or she's not Super Metroid Metroid two for the Game Boy is you want to talk about I guess you know it is one of those weird things I mean I could see your frustration because on the PlayStation on the one on I was say PlayStation on the Game Boy there's no enemies at for the first half I mean I'm running around jumping or looking for anything there's no power ups there's nothing I've gone everywhere I don't even know where to begin and I've had to look up a, a walk through on that one um, I just turned it off I'm like whatever man if you can I mean I don't know what, what's going on there 
So I never really got into that one for that same reason. Probably the reason you didn't get into this one. Well, I mean, like, with this game, something that makes me just kind of giggle about it is, you know, all these aliens are called space pirates. And that that just kind of gave me a giggle because, like, when I see, you know, when I'm reading some of this walkthrough stuff to help me out because I was just frustrated with the game, they're calling them space pirates. I'm like, that's not a space pirate. That's a straight-up alien. That is a space alien. And so it just kind of made me, it just kind of made me giggle. They call them space pirates instead of aliens. I mean, basically, Ridley is basically a dragon esque kind of creature. You know, he's not even, you know, when you think of a pirate, you think of even space pirates, you know, you still think of, you know, swashbuckling style things. I mean, because, you know, I think of, when I think of space pirates, the first movie that comes to my head is Spaceballs. And, <laughs> you know, with them. Say. I thought you were going to say uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or something. <laughs> it is space that is not, Well, if pirates. we're talking about space pirates, we got to talk about yeah, space it, pirates. Man, yeah. And so space balls, you know, you, you can't go wrong. And I think of those as space pirates, not some weird-looking dragon dragon. You, you wouldn't know they were space pirates. You're right. I mean, I didn't know they were space pirates until somebody goes, until oh, these read are space it. pirates. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, it was just an t- alien. Yeah, until you're told or read about it, you don't know they're space pirates. That's that's the thing. I'm like, okay, your story is just kind of that's so that's where the story for me starts kind of getting a little choppy because it's like, yeah, you got what you call them, but you don't really ever mention that. You don't really ever call them space pirates in the story as far as the gameplay goes, and so it's like, well, why are you know what's going on with this, you know? Um, and then Ridley, you know, he's got a name and like a regular name, you know. And when I think of Ridley, I think of aliens, yeah, you know, because right. Ridley is the main character in Aliens, and it's a person, not the alien, you know. So it's just kind of like, well, well, why are we calling this creature Ridley? I mean, I get it, giving it names and everything like that. It's just those are my kind of little little quirk nuance things well, nobody, that I think are just kind of weird. So nobody knows about the story. I mean, I, I didn't know about the story at all until I'm reading about it. I didn't care. I mean, it's just a it was a fun game. Same way for regular Metroid, the first one, nobody cares. And you talk about Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. I knew I was Alucard, Dracula's son. That was it. And it's just a fun. It's just developing the character when you get a new item you're like oh a new new area opens up so now what i'm going to go find here what's the new item i'm going to get it's power it makes them super powerful and the items actually matter is what i like about it you know the double jump or the space jump the when you get the mega bo- or not the mega bombs but just the regular bombs you can bounce yourself up when you curl a ball up and so you can get to these areas that are un- unaccessible even even kind of cheat a little bit to get there because it's not really cheating you're just mastering these dynamics of the space jump or the space ball the uh, bomb jumps and so that's what I really like about it um, just the fact that you do get these new items and that's the only critique about it was the uh, space jump that you probably didn't get to because it's later on in the game and so the space jump lets you jump multiple times in the air but it's not really, it's kind of, for some reason, sometimes you push A to jump and you push it again in the midair, it doesn't work. I, I don't know why. So you, you'll ball up when you space jump and then you, it'll still be spinning up and then you can push it again and it'll jump in midair without touching anything and you can keep doing it. But sometimes you'll go up in the air and you'll start falling, you'll push it and it just, it just doesn't work. And so you're like, where did, well, why not? I mean, if it's just supposed to be an easy, that's like one of the last items you get too. You get a screw attack later, which you hurt enemies while you're in there. That's a very powerful attack. Um, and so you're just, 
and stuff like that. That's just, I mean, I, I like it. It starts to get kind of difficult toward the end where these enemies, one enemy you can't even hurt. It's these just two space pirates that do martial arts, and it's kind of the they'll just drop, they'll just jump kick you and stuff like that, and you shoot them with whatever, and that doesn't hurt them. They got to start blinking for some reason, and then they, that little shell goes off, and then you hit them as much as you can, and and then they, they'll start tearing into you, man. That's toward the end. That's right before Ridley. And then you get to Ridley and you're pretty much spent. And so that's what happened to me. And I got killed and I turned it off right there. It's like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll turn it back on and just build up my missiles before I go in there and, and whatnot. But this was developed by Gunpei Yokoi. He's the guy that did the Game Boy. He's just a superstar at Nintendo. He led a staff of 15 people. And, uh, and dude, the game is... I mean, it is a, a masterpiece as far as the, the atmosphere, the music. You'll hear music on it all, uh, on everybody's YouTube channel that does retro games. They're always like, that same. It's always there, uh, it seems like. Something from Super Metroid. At least I just noticed it now. Um, this is a pretty telling thing. So, so first of all, let me just kind of, everybody gave it like EMG gave it a 36 out of 40 game rankings, 96% GameSpot 8.5 out of 10 ING 9.5 out of 10. Of course, Nintendo life, 10 out of 10 Nintendo power, 4.425 out of 10 game players, 97% super play 92. But, uh, Oh, so GamePro criticized that the controls are often awkward or difficult and that many power-ups are either lifted from other NES, Super NES games or simple upgrades of power-ups in the game, but praised the game's massive size along with auto-mapping. So it did have mapping and auto-mapping, which means when you cover a piece of area, it automatically gives you that map piece if you don't get the whole map. Um, but this is a pretty cool thing here. Um, the sequels. So Gunpei Yokoi... Uh, so not to get too deep into him, but you know he was a superstar at Nintendo, and he won. He's the one that wanted to develop the Virtual Boy, so he developed the Virtual Boy. We know that was a failure, and he left Nintendo, and that's not his. He had all these good successes: Game Boy Pocket, everything. Everything that he touched turned to gold, and then he failed that, so he left honorably in 1996 of August, and he died in a car accident in 1997. So they didn't have anybody to like. You know how are we going to do this new Metroid? So during the Nintendo 64, obviously right after the Super Nintendo, they wanted to release everybody. All the fans were expecting a Metroid. Um, so they they offered to make for somebody else to make a offered a different uh, developer to make a Metroid, and they and they literally declined because they said we cannot make it that game as good or even equal to Super Metroid standards. So we're going to decline that. And this is, what, this is what I like about Nintendo. So it says, Mario and Zelda series creator Shigeru Miyamoto said that Nintendo couldn't come up with any concrete ideas on the N64 game. So they know they can release an N64 game and it's going to make a ton of money just because of Super Metroid. But they didn't have anything that, that was up to Nintendo's standard, so they didn't even release anything at all. Even, even offer to another developer, we'll help you. No, we're not even going to touch it because we can't even do anything to justify it. The next game was Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance, and Metroid Prime came out in the GameCube on GameCube. I think it was 2002 for both of those, and uh, to start back off the uh, so that was what eight years later to start the Metroid thing back off again. So it's obviously become a staple, one of Nintendo's big IPs for their their systems and stuff. But um, I thought that was pretty cool to read that about 
you know, hey, no, we're not just going to do it to make money. And Nintendo's known for that. They want to be, release quality. And that, I mean, you buy Mario Odyssey, you buy Mario, or anything with Mario in it, Mario Tennis is out for the Nintendo Switch, and I almost bought it, even though I was like, well, I don't know anything about this game, but I guarantee it's going to be fun, you know, because they got anything with Mario in it, it's going to be good. But other than just the side, I mean, this is 2D platformer, or 2D uh, Castle Metroidvania game, man. I mean, it's really not a whole lot to say about it, other than I think it's awesome. The graphics are great for the time, as they still hold up today. Um, the power-ups allow you to just do all this cool stuff that lets you upgrade and see new areas, makes you control your character a new way. It just opens up a whole new play style every time you pick up one. And that's what makes it so fun to me that I think the shooting mechanics, the new weapons you pick up. Back in, back in the old Metroid, you got the two beams. I think it was just you had your little Metroid. Your first, uh, your first beam would only go like you know, three feet or something. Then you got the long shot beam and go across the stage. Then you got a ice beam. Then you got the wave beam, which is more powerful. But you had to then go back to get the ice beam later to finish the game because it's made it easier to freeze the Metroids and shoot them with missiles. Otherwise, they're going to kill you before you get to the final boss. This one, the ice beam will still, you know, kill. Uh, just a, if you get the, a different waveform or whatever for your beam, it still makes it more powerful, even though it has that ice mechanic. And you can go in there and push. If you push start and go to the menu, you can pick the fake, pick what type of weapon you want to use. If you want to take the ice beam off, you can. You don't have to go back and collect it again and backtrack and all that. They learned from Metroid One that you don't have to do that. So that's a good and interesting mechanic for this game that they implemented. I think they did good with. But man, I'm be honest with you. I don't know how you could improve it. Maybe with a little bit for the controls with the jump, but I think the controls are solid. Well, I mean, I'm glad to know that I'm validated in how I feel about the controls through GamePro, you know, saying they're often awkward or difficult, you know, because at times I felt like they were. I mean, there was times like, you know, I had the super jump, and if, you know, I get into a position and get into a certain room, I can't jump across the board very well because I'm hitting the, hitting the ceiling because of the super jump, and if I'm not just pressing that jump just right I can't get over there or I have to take the time to go into the menu turn the boots off to do the jump that I need to do because I backtracked to go get something else or whatnot or something that I thought I missed and so you know I get get where the clunkiness and, and the feel of it is there you know you know well, why couldn't I just jump across that anyway because it's like if you hit something you know especially in the jump it definitely changed the trajectory of your jump really you know really sharply for me anyway that's that's my experience if you hit something you're gonna fall down yeah and so it just it just i'm like why can't i just you know with a lot of games especially back then if you jumped up and hit something you just kept on kind of moving over instead of just hitting it and fall down so i mean in a way you barely move but you're not gonna there's some parts where you have to jump turn into a ball this is the hardest mm -hmm. toward the end and fall and go into this little area and if you you had to hit it just right Oh yeah, and there was some, and there were some spots that I were hitting that you know, I was getting into that you had to hit just right and just perfect, and it was just you know there was just some frustrating parts of it, and I can't knock the uh, I'm, I can knock the controls for that, but I can't knock them completely because I mean they do control Samus very well. You do have great maneuverability and all of that, and it does work it does work very well. It just they like I said. I have frustration with it mainly because I'm going from modern games to retro in a very quick time and not getting used to the controllers. So, 
So this is an interesting thing that you bring up about the controls because we've kind of hit on this a little bit is that you know you kind of grew up with Sega with Sonic. I don't I hate Sonic's uh, controls. They're slippery. Uh, and you like it because they're fluid, as you would say, or anybody would say uh, that plays that. And then when they go back to play a game like Mega Man or Metroid or whatever, uh, Mario, probably a better example than Metroid, but and if they're, they're super responsive. So you're moving one way, you push back, you're going to stop, and you're going to go back the other way immediately. You jump in the air, you can control yourself in the air. Not so much in Sonic. You can, but not as good. And so people that grew up with the Sonic games say... Oh, those controls are rigid. Those controls are tight, you know, for Mar- the Mario games. I don't like that. I like more fluid controls. And me, I'm like, man, those, those controls are slippery on Sonic, you know, so on. So it's kind of interesting that uh, whatever you kind of grew up playing is what you like about the which controls you like better, it seems like. Yeah. And two, when I think about it too, is even with the, the Genesis controller, it had more rounded edges to it too as well. It wasn't as sharp as the Nintendo controller. And even... The Super Nintendo controller, yes, it's rounded around the edges, but it's flat. It's very flat, and you know, it's 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 a pad. You know, it's it's not much of a controller to me. You know, the Genesis had that nice curve and arc over the top and around the edges that gave it kind of, I guess, the predecessor to the PlayStation style controllers and the N sixty four style controllers, where you have the the grips and the handles on there. So that 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 to me is where I'm starting to have, you know, I'm having, I'm feeling where I can feel where my differences were when I played between the Nintendo and the Genesis back in the day. So and now, now that I've, you know, can, now that I see that, it's just, it's, it's, it's like, wow. Yeah. I really realize now why I was a more of a Genesis player than a, uh, than a Nintendo player. So the super play gave it a 92%. That's a British game publication. That's why I've never heard of it. But so they three editors, this is interesting for you. So do you, first of all, you like Mega Man X, right? I, know this is I do like Mega Man X. I'm going to bring it back around. Okay, Mega Man X. I, think, I do too. I think it's one of the greatest games as well. I go back and play it all the time. So British video game publication Superplay had three editors play the game. And uh, he said, uh, Zai Nicholson noted that the game was better than his favorite game, Mega Man X. Okay, describing Metroid, Super Metroid as more of an experience than a game. So he compared it to the films like Aliens. He said it's best experience in the dark with the volume turned up. He found the game so compulsive that he was tempted to play without eating or sleeping. Uh, Tony Mott was another guy. He said the game's atmosphere it's, is its best aspect. And uh, so he applauded the game controls. Mott applauded Nintendo's ability to create a refined gameplay. He concluded his review by saying, Super Metroid, undoubtedly the best game I've ever played this year so far. Predicted anyone who plays it would be playing a game destined for classic status. Okay. The third reviewer, James Leach, agreed with Nicholson and Mott that Super Metroid was what Mega Man X should have been. <laughs> Do you agree with that? Mega Man X no. is running around like that? <laughs> no. I didn't think so. No. no, Mega Man X was perfect. I mean, it, it was it was perfect because of the Mega Man series. It stayed true to what it was. And I'm sorry, but Mega Man and Metroid are two different games. Yeah, they kind of have the whole side-scrolling, but they're two different games. Oh, they're games. two different, I mean, no doubt. I mean, I mean, they're completely different, and for you to even put them in the same light as saying that Super Metroid was what Mega Man X should have been, I mean, you, you've just lost credibility, in my opinion, because that's just that's so way off base, because it's just it's two different styles of games, in my opinion. 
you know, Mega Man X has this, you're going in, okay, here's your boss, you got to collect his weapon or your armor to be able to fight the next boss, and you have to fight him in certain orders so you can handle, you know, so you can do them because you're getting the weapons to do that. Samus is fighting an alien race, kind of almost like Contra, you know, where you're going through the, where you're going through the board, you know, you're not trying to get all this other stuff to, to beat this next thing because once you get the regular missiles, you can pretty much kill everything with the regular missiles. I mean, it's just one of those things where I think he's so, I think they're so far off base by by comparing it like that. Um, is Super Metroid a great game? I haven't gotten all the way through it, so I can't give you a full yes or no on it. Have I enjoyed what I played of it? Yes. Mega Man X, oh, man, dude, that's probably my favorite game on Super Nintendo. It really is. I mean, between that and between the Final Fantasies, those are my games there. But, I mean, you're looking at two different genres again as well. You know, Mega Man X is a game that you can complete pretty quickly, whereas Final Fantasies you're going to spend hours and hours on. But... So I don't know. I don't know. That's the, just reading his comment because I've, I've got I've got that I've got that article pulled up that you're reading as well. Just reading the guy's comment, I'm like, man, I, I wish I could meet uh, James Leach and just tell him how much of a moron he is by saying that because it's just I'm sorry comparing the two games. It's just you know it's like it's like saying an apple's better than a banana. You know it's it's well I see where he's it, going because but so it's the simplicity. This is where people kind of lose it here. The simplicity of Mega Man, there's hidden items in each stage, but you don't have to backtrack. Uh, it didn't take you, you know, forever to find. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. But they say, so, like, one stage, okay, you got one heart container, you're going to have an energy tank, you're going to might, you might have one of the power ups for his actual armor, you know, something like that. You kind of know that they're there somewhere, and it's not that hard to, they're, they're easier to find because just the, 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 the map so or whatever it would be called the stage is smaller to find you don't have to search the entire but Mega Man the universe uh, the story is irrelevant to me with Mega Man X or Super Metroid <laughs> the game's awesome both of them uh, Mega Man X I've gone back and played a million times but, but the point is the simplicity of just being able to pick it up and, and kind of figure it out to, to some with a, with a bit of a challenge, but kind of understanding the mechanics. I know there's a heart container hidden somewhere in this map. That's all I need to know. Super Metroid, you might know. I don't know how many energy, energy tanks are there. You know, how many do I have to find to get more more life? You know, but 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 Mega Man X, you know, so you know that's there. You know what you're supposed to be doing. Super Metroid, you might not know what you're supposed to be doing because you don't know what the game has to offer. You don't know all the power-ups and stuff like that. Some people like that better because, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get, a spin jump or whatever that's more powerful. And I understand, you know, Mega Man's got you can get the different weapons from the bosses, but, you know, and that can change the dynamic as well. But I kind of see what he's kind of thinking Mega Man X would have been better if it was a big open world like Super Metroid instead of this different stages. I disagree just like you completely. But... Mega Man X is is doing more of a hidden stuff that really wasn't there with the old Mega Mans, mm-hmm. but Mega Man X first introduced it, and I think Mega Man X did it perfectly. They did. They did a fantastic job with that. So, anyway, so yeah, not a whole. I mean, I didn't know how much I was gonna have to say about Super Metroid, and it's really kind of hard to explain without a video of what you're talking about because it's just so <laughs> open world and uh, run around, but it is a Metroidvania type game, and all I can say is if you haven't played it, play it. I mean, you're really going to, and give it a chance, because I mean, 
if you're playing it for the first time on the SNES Mini or you bought the game or whatever the case, Virtual Console, it's all out there, then give it a chance. Look at, get a walkthrough to kind of help you through, kind of get an idea of what this game's offering. Okay, there's hidden areas. There's, uh, you know, I got to get a power up to access a new area, stuff like that. And then you start to feel that development of that character coming along in the, in the kind of the thrill of the hunt, so to speak, on the next item you're going to grab and how that's going to help you. But, so, you got anything else to say about Super Metroid? Man, I'm pretty tapped out on it. Okay. So, let's go ahead and mention the contest real quick. So, we got an NES Mini now. So, we two, are... Two oh, contests. We, okay. Well, oh, we got two contests. Well, I know, to tell you the one I know about, it, the NES Mini, <clears throat> we just got, we want to, we're still working out the details on how we're going to do this, but we want it to be more for the actual listeners of the podcast instead of just a random Facebook post. Obviously, we're going to have to do something like that to get new listeners, but you're going to have to listen to win. I can tell you that. So we want you guys uh, to just be stay tuned, and um, we'll give you those details as they come up. I'm expecting next podcast we'll have more details on that. And then once we have ironed this out, we're going to tell you exactly what you need to do to be entered for a chance to win that thing. But we'll only tell you on the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your content? You got another one? So the other one we got is, you know, I'm a collector of pops. I love collecting those things. And um, I was able to get my hand on an E3 exclusive pop. And it just so happens to be a Mega Man pop. I can't remember which one it is. It's uh, it's an it's an 8-bit one. It looks really cool. And it's him. I don't have it sitting here in front of me, so I can't remember the name of it. But it's the E3 exclusive Mega Man pop they had out for E3 this past year. And uh, he's purple. I think, is it the, I cannot think of which weapon he turns purple for. Is it like a, the very first one? or Yeah, it's it? from Mega Man 1. Oh, what's is, it, is it Cut Man? No. Is no, Cut Man? Or it's, Gut it's, Man? Uh, it's, Gut Man. It's, is where he picks I can't up remember. Stuff. I can't remember. Oh, it's, man. It's, now, now I'm... Yeah, now we've now we got to find out. I don't want to look it up, but i got to. But, uh, it, yeah, if you look up the E3 2018 Mega Man pop, it'll tell you, you, tell, you, tell you what his name. I just can't remember his name off the top of my head. But, anyways, I have that pop in mint condition. Or I will say, just for your collectors out there, near mint, you know, because he is—he probably does have some shelf wear on him. But, you know, he is a collectible pop. He actually is trending in value right now, so he actually will be worth more than a normal regular pop. Is so that Black be Hole Bomb? That's it, Black Hole Bomb. I don't know what that is. Is that Bomb Man, Black, I guess? Black Hole Bomb, uh, Black Hole Bomb. And so, anyways, looks really cool, looks really neat, and I'm going to be giving that away. Um, I'm still trying to figure out as well my that details of how cool. I'm going to... Uh, yeah, it, does, it looks really cool. So I'm gonna try to figure. I'm trying to figure out the details of how I'm gonna give that away. But once again, it's gonna be for the listeners. I want to give back to the listeners, just like Hollywood gave back to one of our listeners, where he gave away a free game just recently. I'm giving away this pop. It will be. You know what? What I'm thinking is is gonna be something dealing with collecting. You're gonna have to go back and probably listen to a podcast or two to pick up on what 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 it is. But you know, we'll we'll throw it out there. It'll be a pretty easy, straightforward contest, and I'll send you out that pop if you get it right. You know, if you get the answer right, and you'll just have to message message me back on Facebook, and we'll we'll get that worked out. But you will also have the details of that dropping with our next podcast as well. So yeah, once I, just, I get that worked out, I'll I'll let you know. But um, I want to let y'all know that it's a Mega Man pop. You know, from E3. That's why I wanted to do it. 
now since E3 is just recently finished and it's, you know, this, if I'm not mistaken, is the first year that they actually had exclusive pops for E3. If you so, look up Purple Mega Man E3 exclusive, it'll pull it up. Does yours have the little E3 2018 limited yep. edition sticker? Oh, yes. Yeah, man. It looks, it looks got, cool, dude. I don't collect pops or anything, but I see it now, and it looks like a little Minecraft version mm-hmm. of uh, Mega Man. Yeah, it's a three... It has a 3D, 3D, 8-bit, 8-bit figurine. So it looks, it looks really cool. It's got a really neat feel to it. But I want to give that to our listeners out there because, like I said, it is one that's actually trending in value. So it'll be, it'll, it, you know, it'll come with value on into it too. So it's something that's a really nice giveaway. But you're gonna have to listen to win that one. I can't just give it away on Facebook. You know, we, we want people to listen to our podcast more often and we want to reward our listeners. So this is going to be another giveaway for that. Awesome, man. Well, so we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. Uh, check us out on uh, Facebook at H N K E X P. Also on uh, Hollywood Cole on uh, Instagram or Twitter and clear fire on Instagram and Twitter. Also um, we have a Patreon now. So if you guys yep. are interested in supporting us, man, to keep us going, if we can release more and more contests, uh, if we can get enough supporters, we would love to do and a, a, um, switch giveaway with like games for our 50th episode. So 50th episode oh, yeah. would be a couple, two or three months from now. I think we're on episode 30 something right now. Mm-hmm. If we can get enough, we would love to do that. We are going to do it one day, but it's just as soon as we can do it, we will. Um, so just go to uh, the Podbean. It's going to be in a link in the description. And just go to Podbean. You can click become a Patron at the top. Our patron. Patron. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I call it Patron. <laughs> and, uh, and you can uh, go ahead and click that. And don't even a dollar. Just one dollar yeah. will get you a shout out. I mean, if you don't, it's a dollar. We'll give you a shout out on the, sh- on the uh, show. If you, it's, uh, it's like a dollar a month or something. You got to do it monthly. And then yeah. if you give us five dollars. We'll give you a, a shout out and part of your organization. So, hey, Hollywood Cole with uh, the H and K Video Game Experience Podcast, thanks for your donation, something like that. And if you do the ten dollars a month, and of course, I think it's ten dollars I put on there. It's all in it's all in the Patron explanation. But you got the uh, <laughs> but you got the um, the ten dollars or whatever that bonus one is. I think it's ten dollars. It's the highest it goes. Then we'll give you a shout out with you, your organization, and a description of what you offer. So it's kind of like a little mini commercial there. So we'll do that. Um, also, of course, if you do uh, are one of our patrons, then we will have exclusive patron contests for just the people that donate, giving away some serious prizes, such as maybe an, maybe an NES Mini, maybe a Super NES Mini, maybe a game. I don't know. We'll see. And, and we're working on exclusive content. We don't know what that's going to be yet, but, uh, but you know, we'll see. We're going to offer you guys something for sure. Exactly. You're going to get something for your money. It's going to be worth it. And, you know, we just, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, not only for y'all, you know, to help support us, but to also give back to the people that want to support us, you know. So we plan to give back to y'all as well. Um, and, you know, just want to, want to make sure that, you know, y'all, y'all are, y'all are heard and know that we, we would love, love whatever support you give us. And we also got a t shirt here now, too. So uh, you can go to Amazon.com, of course, and pick it up. It's uh, just the H&K Video Game Experience. It's the one t-shirt. It's like four or five, six different colors. I think it's like 17 bucks. And we got to represent and advertise. It's awesome. We got, a link on, we got a link on our Facebook page to it already as well. So you can go straight to it. And 
if it helps you out we'll even put a link in our um, podcast description that way it'll be up there with all the other links that we have as well all right well that'll wrap it up thank you guys so much for listening and uh game on peace out guys